2: Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.
3: Happy Black History Month, people. Yeah, that's right. There's going to be a really interesting Black History Month for multiple reasons. Number one, I think it's an interesting timing for Black History Month, because like it's COVID obviously, and now people don't wanna shut down the schools, but do wanna shut down the schools. But I realized this might help everybody, you know? Because on the one hand, you've got Black History Month, which a lot of people don't like, and then you've got like schools that are open, which a lot of people also don't like. But a lot of the people who don't like Black History Month don't want the schools to be closed. It's like an intersection. So maybe that'll help now because they'll be in school and people will be like, we're going to learn about Harriet Tubman today and be like, all right, shut down the school. It's cool. COVID, send them home. Send them home. It's interesting. You know what I'm, I'm excited for this, this Black History Month is how teachers are going to teach everything that they want to without running afoul of like the critics of critical race theory because no one seems to know what critical race theory actually is or isn't. Teachers are afraid, they don't wanna get sued, they don't wanna lose their jobs. Basically like during Black History Month, every teacher is gonna sound like rap songs on the radio. You know, they're just gonna have to like edit all the parts out. They're gonna be like, today everyone we're gonna be learning about uh, Harriet Tubman and how she, and then she, and all they, and then she lived happily ever after. It's going to be like, every story is going to sound like that. It's going to be like, alright kids, here's the story of Martin Luther King Jr. He was born and then he, he, he and he preached for a while and he was and then Barack Obama. Coming to you from the heart of Times
4: Square in New York City. The only city in America. It's The Daily Show. Ears edition. Tonight. No more rings for Brady. We're all gonna die. And Bakari Sellers. This is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Hey, what's
3: going on, everybody? Welcome to The Daily Show. I'm Trevor Noah, and joining me for today's headlines is our very own Roy Wood Jr. What's going on, Roy? What's up, Happy man? Black History Month. Happy Black History
0: Month to you, brother. Yeah. I, mean, I like Black History Month, man, because this is a time to reflect and think about our past. Right. And everything that is important from the past, which reminds me, I don't know if I ever got that, that 200 from you that you owe me. You remember from the Super Bowl from two years ago when we bet I, and you I, said you
3: was going to Venmo? Yeah. I think it's good for us to let the past stay in the past. Happy Black History Month. All right, let's jump straight into today's headlines. We kick things off with big news from the world of sports. We're two weeks away from the Super Bowl, the one day a year where men can express their emotions openly. And one familiar face who won't be there this year is Tom Brady. Quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and dude with almost as many rings as Shang-Chi. Brady has appeared in every Super Bowl dating back to 1902. I don't know if that stat is right. Might be 1920. But if it feels weird watching it without him this year, you better get used to it because he's never gonna be in it ever again.
4: Breaking news this hour, seven-time Super Bowl champion Tom Brady is retiring from football. He removed all doubt. The 44-year-old quarterback played 22 NFL seasons, including 20 seasons with the New England Patriots. He won seven Super Bowls. I want to read from his statement here. This is difficult for me to write, but here it goes. I have loved my NFL career, and now it is time to focus my time and energy on other things that require my attention.
3: Other things that require my attention? That's a weird reason to retire. Sounds like he's got like household chores. I've loved playing in the NFL, but I've got 20 years of laundry piling up, so it's time to call it quits, guys. But look, whether you loved him or hated him, you have to admire Tom Brady's journey. I mean, when this dude started his career, he was picked almost dead last in the draft. And yet, he ended up dominating the game for 20 years which is an important lesson for all the little kids out there who might be coming in last. And that lesson is, this probably won't happen to you. You see, this was only going to happen one time and Tom Brady took it. I'm sorry. So if you keep coming in dead last, you probably want to quit and do something else. You got this. Now, if we're being honest, This retirement isn't a surprise to anyone, right? What is surprising is that at 44 years old, this dude was still dominating the NFL. Think about it, the NFL, where people car accident each other for a living. And this guy was doing that in his 40s. Most people I know in their 40s are like, ah, ah, my back hurts. I think I slept too long. And now that he's put up his cleats, the question is, was Tom Brady the best football player of all time? Some people say yes because he holds all the records and won the most Super Bowls. Other people say, no, because he didn't do that for my team. So it'll be a big debate for a while. But there's no doubt that he is a legend of the game. So congrats, Tom Brady, on a wonderful, wonderful career. Although sadly, it means that now Gronk has to be put down. Mm -hmm. Let's go out behind the barn, Gronk. We're gonna take you someplace special.
0: You know what I, you know what I respect about Tom Brady for the most part, man, is that he kept his scandals on the field. You know, the Deflate Gate with the ball, and then whether or not it was a Tuck rule fumble way back in the day. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Honestly, I think like the MAGA had in his locker that was probably the biggest. Oh, we don't know about Brady. No drug, no arrest. No drama, getting arrested. No, none, none of that. It's it, it, wife not murdered. His wife is very unmurdered.
3: All right, but let's move on to the hottest fad on the internet right now. And no, I'm not talking about hardcore pornography. I'm talking about Wordle, the online puzzle game that's turned your Twitter timeline into a lame version of Tetris. Wordle is especially interesting because of where it came from. You see, it was just invented by one guy in Brooklyn who just made it as a gift for his girlfriend, which is really sweet. Or a really subtle way to tell her that she doesn't know how to spell. I need you to brush up on your five-letter words. You're really embarrassing me at parties. Anyway, his vision for Wordle was for it to be a simple, friendly game, totally free, no ads, no app, and not addictive, just pure fun. And yesterday, that vision paid off when the New York Times announced that it had bought Wordle from this guy for more than a million dollars, which is great for the guy, but now everyone else is wondering, will Wordle still be free? So CNN asked that question to the New York Times. And the answer was, uh, I don't know, you guys guys tell me what you think.
5: Jonathan, I don't wanna make this a hostile interview, but you need to answer (laughs) the question that every Wordle user wants to know. Will you commit right here and now that forevermore in perpetuity wordle will be free to everybody <laughs> thank you for having me it's great to be here um and yes when the word when when wordle comes to the new york times it will be free to play for everyone that doesn't answer my question when it comes to the new york times it will be free how about five years from now 10 years from now
4: i wish i had that kind of crystal ball but i don't
5: so you won't commit that wordle will always be free because it's free now That's right. It is free. When it comes to the times, it'll be free. And um,
3: yeah. Well, that took a weird turn. I mean, at the beginning, he was like, you're going to make us pay for Wordle. Then all of a sudden he was like, are you going to make us pay for Wordle? Answer me, bitch. You see how nervous the New York Times guy was? Because in the beginning, he was like, yeah, it's going to be fair. And then at the end, he was like, look, man, just please, man, come on, man. That CNN anchor has the skepticism of a guy who's been burned by a drug dealer, you know? He's like, wow, so this is totally free? And then a week later, he's like, I see what you did. (laughs) Yeah, I see what you did. Okay, I'll your dick, but I see what you did. You you got me, man. You got me good. Now, I don't know if you play Wordle. I do. And I'll be honest, when I heard this, I was kind of sad. Yeah, because I was like, does this mean that Wordle loses its purity? You know? Like, now, are we going to have to pay to play, or... Is the website gonna start tracking me? Am I gonna start getting targeted ads for the letter F? You
0: know? You're asking the wrong questions, dog. You're asking the wrong questions. The question is not whether or not Wordle is going to remain free. The question is, will Wordle still be easy? Have you tried to do a New York Times crossword puzzle? I don't know none of them words. In Wordle, the Wordle, that, that's the beauty of Wordle. Wordle is for people that are kind of dumb. I don't know all the... You know how many five-letter words there are in the English language? There's over 150,000. In the Wordle database, there's only 2,500. Oh. So it's just the dumb words. It's the, the good, the crank, shift, spark. Is that... Fi- I don't know, but... I just know once the New York Times get their hands on it, they're going to add all the words. And, oh, you got Wordle wrong today. Today's word was (laughs) casicklashkla. And I ain't with that.
3: I just just need Wordle to stay free and stay dumb. Well, anyway, speaking of things that are popular online, let's move on to today's most insane viral video. It comes to us out of suburban Pennsylvania. And uh, if you were in the mood for dinner and a show last night... Well, this, my friends, is where you want it to be.
2: CBS Philadelphia says a massive brawl broke out at a Pennsylvania Golden Corral restaurant over an alleged steak shortage. (laughs) A former restaurant employee says he was told that the fight may have started when the buffet ran out of steak and a customer cut in line.
6: Take a close listen, and a man can be heard saying, All I
4: wanted was some steak."
2: steak. America,
3: America, this is you. This is how you know COVID is over for people. Americans are ready to go indoors again and fist fight over food. We're back, baby, we're back, we're back. Give me some of that lettuce, bitch. I mean, the only silver lining in this story is that the fight happened at a Golden Corral. Because if that fight was at a Waffle House, the high chairs would have still had kids inside them. Do you see that guy throwing the chair, by the way? He didn't throw, he just smashed the light. You know where the light's like, I wasn't even involved in this shit. Now the light is smashed. Why he you throw it? Also, a lot of people don't understand like how to throw a chair. Like they think they know how to throw a chair. A lot of people, you can see these were first time chair throwers. These were, these were like buffet people. And then they were just like, the buffet has never not had the buffet. They didn't know what to do. You could see there people just losing their minds. And the itis kicked in at that moment. And I know Golden Corral is probably embarrassed by this, but think about what a huge compliment this actually is to the cooks in your kitchen. Your steak is riot-worthy. Yeah, right now, the managers at Ruth's Chris are probably yelling at their chefs, just like, why isn't anyone getting stabbed over our steaks, huh? Step up your game, people! Step up your game!
0: I, I saw this, which, oh, by the way, Cyber, I don't know if you knew this or not. Uh, former Golden Corral employee right here, Roy Wajinga. Tallahassee, You're lying. Florida. Tallahassee, Florida, North Monroe Street. You worked at Golden Corral? 1999 to 2001, baby. I've been in them trenches. Never seen nothing like that in my life. But I was calm when I was watching the video. No panic. Did you think people were going to get hurt? Yeah. No. Nobody was going to get hurt in that fight. Have you eaten at a buffet in America? Yeah, yeah. Okay, then you know this is the knife. I stole a lot of knives when I worked at Golden Corral. This is an authentic... Buffet knife from a traditional American buffet restaurant. I want you to see the tip right there. Dull. Can't stab nobody. You can't get no poke action with that. So nobody was going to die in that. You can't saw nobody to death at a buffet fight. That's the one thing that I really appreciated about that video is that nobody was on the ground. That's the thing. Also, like, and for you to talk about Waffle House, don't put Golden Corral's name in the same bucket as Waffle House. Well, I didn't mean to
3: offend anybody. I know you love, like, fast food. The Southern,
0: a little offended, bro. I'm sorry. Waffle House fights are one-on-one. Golden Corral is a family experience. And you look at that tape, everybody's fighting. Family, coming together. Still unified. Even in violence, Golden Corral, on mission, bro. I didn't notice that, and I'm sorry for lumping them all in. Very disrespectful. I apologize. Very disrespectful. Also, a lot of different, different races in there. A lot of white people in that fight, too. I noticed that. That was the thing that I appreciated, was that Black History Month, white people, allies, fighting with, well, not with black, in the same fight. In the A, same fight. About the same thing. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, man. But yeah, I got, I got my name tag, man. It's the one thing I kept. I never quit Golden Corral because you never know. You just left? I kind of just, I told him I'd be back. So no?
3: technically you have two bosses, right? You've got like me and then there's someone at Golden Corral who's like, yeah, Roy works for me as well.
0: Yeah, his name's Kim McCracken. Damn, Roy. Put boy. this on real quick in case he see me. Because he needs to know that I'm on the clock.
3: I get my bread. All right, well, I guess you learn something new about your friends every day. Well, you know what, let's, let's take a quick break. Um, and when we come back, we'll look at all the exciting ways that you can get rid of your corpse. You don't want to miss it. I, I don't I didn't think you don't have another job. Hang on,
0: let's go the crowd. Hey, Mr. McCracken, what's going on? I'm on the way, yes sir.
1: Welcome back
3: to The Daily Show. We have all experienced supply chain issues recently, right? You order something, it doesn't arrive on time, it's happening to everything. Some groceries are harder to find. Cars are harder to buy. And I was supposed to have a studio audience by now, but apparently they're stuck on a container ship off the coast of California. But believe it or not, these supply chain issues might affect you even after you're dead.
4: From the pandemic to quarries closing, businesses that make monuments for grave sites are having trouble getting granite.
1: A lot of the products that we sell, it's mined in India or Brazil or Italy. And when they all shut down, they weren't sending anything out.
3: This originally would take
6: maybe two months to get. Now, eight months.
3: Okay, before we move on, can I just say for a second, I love a gravestone that shows someone's priorities. You know, like most of the time, it's like loving father devoted husband, but then this dude was just like, screw you, family, I'll be playing golf with Jesus. And I'm sorry, but eight months is too long to wait for a gravestone. I mean, after eight months, how are you even gonna remember where you buried the person? All right, everyone, you guys all remember this leaf and what it looks like, okay? We'll come put the gravestone here in eight months. You got it, everybody? It's an orange leaf with a little tinge of yellow, something like that. So obviously this is extremely inconvenient for a lot of people, but it got me thinking Like, maybe this gravestone problem could be an opportunity to re-examine how modern society handles the dead. Because it's actually kind of a big problem, starting with cemeteries. Because yes, cemeteries are the number one place goth kids go to make out, but it turns out they're also getting more crowded than a Boris Johnson quarantine
1: party We've got a grave issue on our hands. As the world's population increases and becomes increasingly urban, the cities of the world are running out of room to bury their dead. In France, cemeteries in big cities are overcrowded.
5: In LA's rapidly filling cemeteries, some family plots being listed at over a million dollars. New bylaws passed in Vancouver will allow the city's only cemetery to bury multiple unrelated people
2: in the same grave. This means that up to three people who want to participate will be able to share a grave.
3: Okay, okay. Getting buried with two other people? I mean, that raises a few questions from my side. Like, like, what is the body arrangement? You know, are we, are we stacking them like pancakes or are we dropping them in vertical like crayons or are they spooning? Cause I mean, if we're spooning, that's cool and everything. I just want to know who's going to be the big spoon. Cause I don't mind doing it for a while but I'm not going to do it for eternity. I want to be cuddled too. You know, plus my arm's gonna be dead, like dead dead. And I know a lot of people right now might be like, Trevor, you can't be putting dead bodies on top of each other. What about their dignity? Yeah, but think about it, have you been to New York? People are already stacking the living on top of each other. I mean, if we have to have roommates, why not the dead? And look, I get wanting to be buried in the city that you lived in. I understand that. You know, it makes it easier for your loved ones to come and visit your grave. And you have a shorter commute when you go to haunt them every night. But the fact is, cities are running out of space. And it's not even just a space issue, because now we're learning that traditional burial methods also leave behind a toxic trail for the people who are still living.
2: Right now, what most Americans consider a traditional burial takes a big toll on the environment. About 4.3 million gallons of embalming fluid are used in U.S. burials each year.
1: A typical body requires three pounds of this formalin solution, and sends 120 gallons of untreated funeral waste directly into the sewage system, including blood, fecal matter, organ fluid, and carcinogenic chemicals as well as whatever unknown diseases the body contains. An option that's becoming more
2: popular in the U.S. is cremation. But despite its apparent minimalism, cremation is resource-intensive, too. It takes around 28 gallons of fuel to turn just one
1: person into ash. You're heating a body for two hours, up to 1,800 degrees. You're releasing pollutants into the atmosphere. most significantly mercury.
3: Each year, cremations in the United States release the same amount of CO2, as 70,000 cars. Yeah, it turns out all that stuff that we do to dead bodies is super bad for the environment. I mean, I guess on the plus side, all that toxic shit we dump into the sewers is gonna make some cool new Ninja Turtles, but aside from that, it is pretty disturbing. And by the way, I don't know about you, but this really makes me look differently at the mafia. You know, all this time, I thought throwing bodies into the river was just a way to cover up their crimes, but it turns out they just really care about the environment. So our modern burial rituals come with a lot of baggage. There's the space issue, there's the environment, and I haven't even gotten to how awkward it is to tip the grave digger. Thanks for burying Nana. Here's a, a dollar, or $300? I don't know, man, this is weird. And while traditional burials aren't going away anytime soon, there are more and more sustainable alternatives out there for people who decide to think outside the coffin.
1: Around the world, there's a growing movement to make funeral practices more sustainable. One of these is a process called aquamation that is essentially a way of dissolving a body. It uses a heated bath of potassium hydroxide and water that can be safely disposed down the drain. It's more environmentally friendly, since there's zero toxic emissions, and it has about one-tenth of the carbon footprint as a cremation. Washington State Governor Jay Inslee just signed a law making it the first state allowing human composting or turning a body into soil. Recomposition is the ultimate green way to go, using an eighth of the energy of cremation. And
2: there are other options. The Infinity Burial Suit, a shroud that helps the body decompose. Or the EcoPod, where your body becomes the root of a new tree.
3: Not that's how I want to go out. What, eco pod, do you hear that? I want that. I die, they turn me into a tree. I grow, I provide for the community with my fruits, provide shade for the kids when they play. Then when I get old, they chop me down and turn me into toilet paper. Then I get in that ass, Cindy, yeah. You said I had zero chance, but now you wiping your ass with me. I'm in there, girl. I played the long game. No, seriously. I actually like this idea of a green burial. I mean, yeah, it's good for the environment and all that, but it'll also help you flex on everyone else when you get to heaven. Oh, you got buried? Yeah, I, I just thought that that was kind of bad for the environment, so I was melted in acid instead. I guess I'm just a little bit better than you are as a person. <gasps> Mr. Rogers... Well, anyway, for more on the alternatives to traditional burials, we turn now to our burial expert, Ronnie Chang. Hey, uh, first off, happy Lunar New Year, Ronnie. Yeah,
5: well, thanks for making me come to work to talk about death. That's not bad luck at all. Oh, my bad. I I guess I didn't think about that. Sorry. Well, what a surprise. But at least I got a chance to pick out some flowers for Valentine's Day. Eh? They're just sitting out here for free.
3: I don't think they're free, Ronnie. I think someone left them there for for the dead. Yeah,
5: exactly. What a waste. Just like this entire cemetery wasted on the dead. I mean, this is prime real estate. Look, right here, this could be a cheesecake factory. And over here, this could be
3: another cheesecake factory. Look, you do have a point. There's all sorts of alternatives to cemeteries, like for instance, uh, human composting or aquamation.
5: Yeah, I don't know what any of those words mean. Trevor, here's what I think, okay? We need to stop throwing away perfectly good bodies and we need to start using them. I don't like where this is going. Yeah, I don't just mean sex stuff, okay? There's all sorts of things a dead body can be used for. Like, think about it. How many times have you watched Law & Order and thought that's not even a real dead body? I've never thought that once, Ronnie Well, trust me, when you've seen as many dead bodies as I have you become a real stickler for details, okay? But, but fine, forget law and order How many times have you been stuck in traffic? Huh? Huh? You get a dead body Now you're cruising to work in the carpool lane
3: Wouldn't we be worried about the police seeing you with a dead body in your car? That's why you only
5: use dead white bodies so you don't get pulled over Right, and that makes sense The point is, I got a ton of ideas for dead bodies, okay? Uh, okay, uh, scarecrows uh, All natural mannequins at the Gap uh, Sex stuff uh, that, was, that was your idea uh, oh, put, put one in the foyer So if a murderer comes to your house He'll think someone already beat him to it uh, Okay, what else? Uh, sell one as an NFT Wait, 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 wait. what? An NFT? I, I don't know People just keep yelling at me about NFTs, alright It can't be any dumber than an ape That looks like Gwyneth
3: Paltrow Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't get the apes but, but, but let me ask you this which one of these things, like these new techniques, do you want us to do with your body? <laughs> oh,
5: my body? Oh, no, none of them. I'm going full mausoleum covered in gold. I'm thinking 10 bedroom, 10 bath, and it'll have a cheesecake factory in it.
3: That actually sounds great, Ronnie. I bet you can't wait to be dead. Well, that's like the worst thing you can say on Lunar New Year to someone, all right? That's disgusting. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I, um, I'll say something else. Um, uh... Choi. Oh my God, your pronunciation is even worse. Just wish i die. I'm sorry. Um, you, you know what? Let's take a break. And uh, when we come back, I'll be talking to Bakari Sellers, who'll be here to talk about his new book that is just in time for Black History Month. So stay tuned. Is it that bad?
5: Chinese is racist even when you try.
1: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry.
2: Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.
3: Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is civil rights attorney and CNN political commentator Bakari Sellers. He's here to talk about his new children's book, Who Are Your People? Bakari Sellers. Welcome to The Daily Show. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here in person. Yeah, in person, right? Yes. There's a lot of people I'm meeting now for the first time, and no. I go, like, I've met you. And it's like, oh, no, I met you virtually. You look virtually. much more
6: handsome in person than virtually.
3: Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. You're much taller than I thought you were.
6: You could have said handsome. I'm, I mean, I don't want to give the compliment back to you. Okay. Fair
3: enough. You know what I mean? It, it yeah. feels, then it feels like I'm recycling, I so know. I was trying to think of another thing I noticed about you <laughs> that wasn't looks-related.
6: <laughs> um, welcome to the show. I'm glad to be here. Uh, you,
3: you, you've, you've lived a really interesting life, you know, because... There was a moment in your career where people genuinely thought you were going to be one of the next new faces of the Democratic Party in this country. Yeah. You know, you, you served for, I think it was eight years yes. in, in the state legislature. And uh, people were just like, oh, this guy's going all the way. We, we see what he's doing. You know, he's from a civil rights family. He, yeah.
6: he, he's really in tune with what's happening. And then you were like, no, nope, I'm done with this. <laughs> what, what happened? I don't know if it was I'm done with it. But I think that having an opportunity right now to be a father and be a husband I've I realized are my two most important jobs. And then mm. um, being able to, to utilize my platform to lift people up and write books now. This is my second book. It's my second opportunity to be on the New York Times bestsellers list. Um, there's just so much that I can do. And when that opportunity presents itself, um, you know, when Jim Clyburn retires maybe, will I get back in that political scrum? Maybe, but I mean, Trevor, would you want to go to Congress and serve and have less seniority than Marjorie Taylor Greene or uh, Matt Gates or <laughs> Madison Cawthorne. Like, this is not an appetizing thing when you think about the American political system we have today. So I think I may get back out there, but right now I just want to take care of my kids and my wife. Let's talk about the
3: book, Who Are Your People? A wonderful title that could be um, interpreted the wrong way, you know? Because in America, at least, it's very uncomfortable when people say like, where are you from? Who are your people? Because yeah.
6: people have used it as, you know... As a, you know it, it, down south is a colloquialism that when you meet people for the first time, like mm. when I met my, my uh, daughter's boyfriend, she's 16, uh-huh. you're like, who are your people? Because you get to know, you want to know uh, where their family is from, um, where they, what type of stock they come from. Right, right, and right. And so who are your people is, is just trying to get people to understand where you come from. And I wrote this book because I wanted, personally, I was sick and tired of my twins having to see purple people or blue people on TV. (laughs) I wanted them to be able to see people that look like them, like the movie Encanto, for example. And in in this book, they're able to see them and their people and have a sense of pride. And I think when young black and brown kids read it, they'll get a sense of pride. When white kids read it, they'll get a sense of empathy. And to your point earlier in the conversation, we live in a country where we have an empathy deficit, where people no longer care about the struggles and plight of others. Mm -hmm. And Maybe this is some utopia that I'm living in, or, or youthful naivete, but I firmly believe there's more that brings us together than divides us, but we have to embrace those differences.
3: In the book, you you know, when they said, okay, Bukhari's coming on with a book, I was like, okay, great, I, I love his previous I
6: had book. I pictures for yeah. you. Yeah,
3: and then they were like, there's pictures now. I was like, oh, it's a kid's book. <laughs> and, then I, and then I started reading through it, and then I was like, wow, it's a kid's book, but I mean, there's parts of the book where, you know, black people are sitting at like the, the lunch counter and they're just getting shouted at and the signs that say no Negroes, etc. And I was like, wow, this is one hell of a children's book. And then I started thinking, I was like, two things. One, I was like, you know, some people might be like, oh man, is this what you wanna teach kids? And the other people might go, oh, you know this book's gonna get banned in a bunch of places <laughs> soon, right?
6: Well, that image that you're talking about is, is one of my two favorite images. It's, it's actually a real image from February 1st, 1960, uh, at the Woolworths lunch counter, where students from North Carolina and State Universities kicked off the, the, the sit-in movement. And I wanted to have that history and that those lessons in the book. And maybe if you're an adult reading it, it refreshes your memory. You can teach more about it. But yeah, I mean, people are—they're banning M- uh, Michelle Obama's books in Texas right wow. now. I mean, you know, people are talking about this book, a picture book, being critical race theory. It's absolutely not critical race theory, but it's getting caught up in all of this—this this utter. Anti-intellectual BS is the best way that I can phrase it, mm-hmm. because what's wrong with kids learning about who they are? What's wrong with kids learning about where other kids came from and being proud of that? I, I don't see anything wrong. And, it, and hopefully it teaches a new generation to dream. It feels like
3: it comes out at a, at a perfect time as well, not just because of what's happening in the conversation around books, but because of Black History Month, yeah. you know? Black History Month is, is, is one of the most interesting times to observe, especially when you come from outside of America. You know, because where I'm from, it's always Black History Month. You know? <laughs>
6: <laughs> I want to come there. <laughs> you, you're welcome. You're welcome. Every um, day is Black History Month. No, really. To be, needs to be your, your slogan. You need to work on that market.
3: It, it really is an interesting, uh, interesting thing to, to, to understand. As somebody who has worked with some of the most devastated families in this yeah. country, as they've dealt with um, civil rights abuses, as they've dealt with hate crimes, yeah. you know, what do you think black history no, I, should be
6: about? I think we need to understand when Carter G. Woodson founded Negro History Week and chose February, uh, he did it because of the birthdays of Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass, two of his heroes at the time. And that's how we ended up in, black, in February mm-hmm. for Black History, Negro History Week and Black History Month. For me, it's about the richness of a culture, the perseverance and overcoming. You're talking about slavery and oppression. 400 years, Jim Crow... Uh, My father literally went to segregated schools. My mother was a part of her desegregating class in high school. This isn't generations ago. We're talking about pain, but we're also talking about the triumph of overcoming. And so there's a lot to be proud of. But if people don't recognize that pain, then they can never understand the struggle of what it is to be black in America.
3: There there, there seems to be um, a paradox for some people in understanding the... um, the duality of being black. You know, like, some people think black people can only exist in a state of pain and suffering. You know, those people are just, oh, I'm so sorry that you're black. It must be so hard all (laughs) the time. And then there are some people who exist almost in a state of being like, oh, get over it, nothing happened. And I always try and explain to people, I go like, no, it's about understanding all of it. The The whole
6: person. Right. And, and, like, you know, the, I think the most perverse phrase we have in politics right now, and I hate when people teach young people to be colorblind, I don't want you to be colorblind. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I, I want you to be able to see the richness of my culture, right, everything right. I bring. I want you to see the fact that, yes, I've cried tears when Trayvon Martin was killed mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. or when George Floyd was murdered. But I've also uh, recognized that we have a great history of overcoming in this country. I And... A lot of people disagree, me, disagree with me on this premise, but I fundamentally don't think there's anything irredeemable about this country. Mm-hmm. I fundamentally believe we have to reimagine what she looks like to be in a more inclusive America that includes all of us.
3: But what's interesting is how many times black people fought for their progress in the country because of the rules that it had written for not them. You know what I mean? It's an
6: interesting paradox. It's a bounce check. And I think King said it best. I mean, it's a, it, someone wrote down a promise to give people this and then it bounced they knew it was (laughs) insufficient funds and so here we are we're trying to we're trying to reclaim what you promised us in that check
3: and so what you're saying is you're hopeful you believe that there's a chance that america could be able to pay the amount on that check
6: i believe so i believe america right now is an unfulfilled broken promise to so many people whether or not you're muslim immigrants gay black a woman in this country, it's a, it is a bounced check and an unfulfilled promise. However, I still have faith in tomorrow. Wow, look at that. I can run for office with that. You should, man. I still have
3: faith in tomorrow. Bakari Sellers, I still have faith in tomorrow. <laughs> South Africa, every day is black history. Man. You know what I'm talking about? I love look it. Look at this. We're running campaigns right here, man. Marketing. You let me know when you're going back into politics, and I will be right behind you, not following you, but just cheering you just on. Just cheering me on for Thank you business. so much for joining Thank me on brother, the show. Glad to be here. Appreciate you. Who Are Your People is available wherever books are sold. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. Yeah, man, I love it. Thank you very much.
1: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.
2: <clears throat> AT&T connects an O to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower.
3: Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, please consider supporting the Loveland Foundation. They're an organization dedicated to providing therapy services to underserved communities, especially black women and girls. If you want to support them in their work, then please donate at the link below. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, get your vaccine, and remember, if someone cuts in front of you at the Golden Corral, you don't fist fight them. Wait until they're a tree and you pee on them play the long game watch the daily show
4: weeknights at 11 10 central on comedy central and stream full episodes anytime on paramount plus this has been a comedy central podcast
1: trinity school of natural health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry